0: about the second value a community of Christ followers that are committed to the Word of God committed to the Word of God and so you know let's just kind of give some clarity because I think there's kind of two parts there right there's the Word of God part and then there's the committed to the Word of God part right so let's just kind of pull it apart a little bit so what do we mean when we say we are committed to the Word of God well I think maybe at, at fundamentally it means that we are committed to the scriptures Okay, and I don't know if for, for for a lot of you guys, maybe that feels like, well, yeah, of course, but maybe for some of you guys, that's not as obvious, right? Or it's still something that you are kind of uh, trying to figure out and sort out. But I think at least one of the things that it means when we're committed to the word of God here is that we are Committed to the scriptures, but I, I think it's good to add a little bit of nuance to that statement because it 's not like this book the Bible like just kind of came down out of heaven like this right but you know really what are we what, what are we holding when we look at this book and really what we 're holding is sort of this this lineage of the faith right this this lineage and this tradition of of faith and of revelation from God that has been handed down to us, going all the way back to you know the patriarchs of the faith, right Abraham, and this promise that he received from God that you know, he was going to bring a blessing to all the families of the earth through Abraham and his descendants, right so Abraham and Isaac and Jacob down to Moses and the Israelites, and the revealing of, of god 's words and his revelation and his law to them, and you know these anointed kings like King David and King Solomon that you know, there would be a king in the line of King David who would be this sort of messianic king, this, this anointed king who would bring that blessing to all the families of the earth. You know, and down through all these you know, different prophets, right? Uh, Elijah and Jeremiah, Isaiah and all the, the others, right? And, 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 down, and, and that, that, so that lineage of, of revelation or, or words from God, has been passed down to us and transmitted to us here in these, you know, what, what some of us call the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures. That's what we're holding, right? The sort of the, the record of that. And, and that, you know, what we find in kind of in the culmination of that is that ultimately Jesus, right? Jesus is the sort of the, the culmination and the ultimate revelation of God's word, right? That Jesus, you know, in, in John chapter one, verse 14, I think we can put that up on the screen. John uh one fourteen. Well, for, first John chapter one verse one it says how in the beginning was the word, and the word was was with God, and the word was God, right? And and all things were created through him. And then in, in John chapter one, verse fourteen, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right. And so, you know, we ha- we have this sort of this the, the pinnacle of this revelation these words from god that that jesus is is the 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 fullness of that revelation right what what all the 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 prophets and and moses and the law what all of them were building up to what all of them were trying to point us to and reveal to us uh, that we would know it when we when he came and when we saw it was that jesus you know he is the one right he is that messiah he is the one who came to redeem us to reconnect us with God the Father so that we could have that relationship with again with him again so that we can live uh, in, in Shalom, right? But even in the ministry of Jesus, we see that he himself affirmed sort of the special authority of scriptures. Like we don't, wanna, we don't wanna have this perspective like, well, Jesus is here so we can now kind of discard the book, right, like Jesus came so we don't need it anymore. It pointed to Jesus and we can discard it. But Jesus himself, right, he affirmed the special authority of the scriptures, right? He, his ministry was that of a rabbi, or at least one of the ministries he fulfilled, right? He went around teaching as a rabbi and, and, and interpreting and preaching from the Hebrew scriptures. If you, you know, just do a search on BibleGateway.com, And just look up the word scriptures, you'll see over and over again Jesus and his disciples talking about, you know, the scripture had to be fulfilled, or this scripture is fulfilled in your sight, right? Like there's this affirmation that he wasn't doing something different or new that was apart from you know this tradition, this lineage of scripture, but that he was fulfilling it and that he was continuing that on. Right. And so Jesus he affirms um, the, the the special authority that scripture has. And you know, we can look at Luke chapter 24. So this was after Jesus uh, already died on the cross and then he rose again from the dead and it's not quite you know public yet and he's he meets these two disciples of his that are walking on this road and they're all dejected because you know their their teacher their rabbi has has died and so he encounters them and they don't recognize him and they're having this conversation and, and he's like why are you guys so sad why are you guys looking so so glum and they're like do you not know what's been going on here? Like the, 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 uh, the teacher has been killed. And so it says here in verses 25 through 27, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself, right? So it's very clear that he's, he's not positioning himself as doing something different, right? But that what he is doing is completely in line with this heritage that we have in the Old Testament scripture. So Jesus affirms that special and unique authority of the Hebrew scriptures. But Jesus and his disciples also they, the, his disciples, they also carried on the teaching that they received from Jesus himself, right? That's what we have in what we call the New Testament, right? It's a record, it's kind of that ongoing lineage, but now the, the teachings that they received from Jesus and through the, the spirit and they recognize those also and the, the early church also recognized those as being scripture, right? And, and in that, that line of unique, uniquely authoritative and special revelation from God. And so all that to say, uh, I don't know if I lost you somewhere in there, if I did, I apologize. All that to say here at One Life City Church, we are continuing in that long lineage of faith and, and committing ourselves to follow the teachings of Jesus and the scriptures as the word of God, right? That God has revealed this to us and it, it carries a unique and a special authority um, that we want to submit ourselves to. So, you know, the very famous passage we can put up, Second Timothy chapter three, Uh, verses 16 and 17 and maybe we can just read this together Uh, so yeah let's read it together all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work right so this idea that the scriptures it's more than just the book right that it is it carries a special and unique authority on it that we want to submit ourselves to. And actually, if we go ahead in Second Timothy, one more chapter, he talks about sort of, kind of, the, sort of the flow of the the flow of humanity, and that there there would come a day where, and and you know, honestly, this has probably been true of every day in every generation. But you know, he kind of talks about a day coming when people would not want to sort of submit themselves to to the authority of these scriptures, right? And so um, I'll I'll read it to us. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses two through four, preach the word. So Paul is talking to Timothy, a young pastor. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, right? And so, you know, he kind of affirms the, the unique and special authority of scripture over us. And he also kind of warns, you know there's gonna come a day when people are not going to want to submit to that and are, are actually going to accumulate around themselves teachers who will tell them, maybe what, what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear from God, right? And so, so that, that's what we mean when we talk about being committed to uh, the word of God here at One Life City Church, that we are committed to following Jesus, right? And the revelation of him and his will and who he is and also who we are uh, as revealed in the scriptures, right? Because he is the sort of the, the culmination of the revelation of scriptures. You know, I, so recently like in my life and in my sort of like spiritual life, I've been sort of like, I don't know, I don't know if this is like part of a, like a midlife crisis or something. I don't know, it's like or midlife spiritual crisis, I don't know, but I, I find myself kind of longing for sort of like the older days, like when I was younger in the faith or when I first became a follower of Jesus and some of, you know, just kind of longing for some of the, the old zeal and the old passion. I look back like, oh man, And I used to have so much, so much more zeal, right? And so I've been kind of like going back to some of the old things that I used to do, like, you know, I don't know, just little things. Like I started bringing a, a notebook to, to write notes in because I used to do that back in the day, right? You know, and like actual pen on paper or, you know, um, I, I, that's recently why I started uh, getting back into like music and like worship because that's something that I used to do in, in my younger days when I was, you know, first starting to, to follow Jesus. Even little things like printing this out, this message out on paper, <laughs> as opposed to a computer. Like I used to do that, right? Like this, these are, you know, just just trying to like, Capture that feeling of when I was younger and kind of return to that place a little bit. And, and, I, and I feel like scripture is, is, is that to us in our faith, right? That it's scripture is not the only way that we hear a word from God. It's not the only way that we connect with them, right? Jesus may reveal himself to you and speak to you uh, in prayer. Or you might come up here and you know, Dennis and Carrie might pray for you and he might speak to you there. He might speak to you uh, in you know, just a conversation with a friend or just some experience that you have or just you know, kind of that, that still small voice inside your heart. He might speak to you through a song or whatever it might be like. There's millions of ways that Jesus can choose to reveal himself and, and speak to you. I'm not trying to limit that at all. But I think what scripture does for us is it, it, it's kind of like that going back to our roots. Right? being able to kind of ground ourselves in that and, and return to that place where we started, because you know, just it's kind of like when you're in the beach, when you're at the beach and you're in the water, inevitably, you know, you look up and you're like, oh, I, I drifted, <laughs> without realizing it, I drifted quite a bit from where I started. Right, like there's just sort of this inevitable drift that happens as we kind of live this life in the world and, and we need the scriptures to ground us back to be like, oh shoot, I've drifted. I, I, I need to kind of center again, right? Like I, I need to kind of move back to where we, where we started. And so that's, I think what the scriptures do for us. And so that's what we mean by when we say that we're committed to the word of God here. But I think I'm still on track to say this is a short, shorter message, <laughs> but I think it's also just as important when we talk about being committed to the word of God here at One Life City Church, is that we also acknowledge and we are honest about the tensions that come with that, right? That when we say we are committed to the scriptures and and putting ourselves under the authority of the teaching of Jesus as revealed in the scriptures, there are a lot of tensions that come with that, am I right? There's, There's a lot of questions, there's a lot of difficulties, a lot of just like, man, how do, we figure, how do we do this? <laughs> right? Or man, I, I, I don't really understand how this works. Right? And so I just tried to identify a few of what I think are some of the tensions that we experience when we really try to commit ourselves to the word of God in this way. One, I think there's a tension of, um, I think in a lot of churches, a lot of evangelical churches, there's almost like an idolizing of the Bible which some would even question if that's really possible, if it's the word of God. But I think in some contexts that maybe some of us grew up in like myself, that there could be almost like this danger of idolizing the Bible, where the Bible itself almost becomes like a God, rather than being a source of revelation that leads us to God, that leads us to Jesus, so that we can connect with him. You know, Not just connect with information or, Theology, or principles, or even like good advice for our lives—that you know—that sometimes we can find ourselves just being a people who is a you know connecting with some information, right? So that, I think that's one of the tensions sometimes that that we we grapple with in trying to be people who are committed to the word. Another tension I think that we wrestle with is the tension of interpretation, right? Because you know I think we can all acknowledge like, yeah, there's just some stuff that's hard to interpret, <laughs> or there's genuine sincere differences in interpretation on many things right and so i think we 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 wrestle with the tension of interpreting difficult subjects or different passages like for me right like so i i with my daughter we you know do like bible stories at night and stuff like that and we read stories and even though we're reading like these children's bible stories so it's not like we're reading like from the actual text of the bible just like children's bibles sometimes we're reading these stories and i'm like as I'm reading it, I'm like, shoot, I, I almost feel like I want to censor this story. Like, why is this story so violent <laughs> or, you know, stuff like that. I don't know if you guys ever feel like that, where, like, I almost see it with different eyes now that I'm sort of transmitting it to my child. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't, I never, it never occurred to me before that this is kind of a difficult, subject, do I really want to transmit this to her in, in the way that it is it is stated? Or like, I feel like I need to give caveats or something, right? So uh, yeah, there, there's sort of that tension of, of interpreting um, difficult subjects, difficult stories, some of the things that we see, some of the the, the, the hard things that we see in there. Also, um, there's sort of the difficulty of, you know, historical and co- cultural bias, right? Because even though you know, we, we believe that this book carries a unique and special authority on it from God, we still also acknowledge that th- there's a lot of human element in there, right? Where you know, you see sort of the, the cultural perspective of the people who are writing these texts, right? And they're, they're embedded within a particular milieu, right? <laughs> you're a million dollar word for today, right? And, and, and navigating that, right? Like navigating how do we understand this being people who live in a different culture and a different milieu, or even just like you know people who have been reading these texts and interpreting them over the years and over the centuries, um, but they also live within a certain culture, <laughs> with a certain lens and a certain perspective and maybe certain biases. And parsing through, you know, are, are are there elements to sort of the the history of interpretation that has been handed down to us that Actually, are colored by certain cultural biases, you know, and, and being able to detect that and and parse through it. it's not always easy. There's there's a tension there. I think that's why you know we talk. A lot of people are kind of in that place of deconstruction. And I don't know if I don't know who invented the, the term deconstruction or if this is what they meant when they inter, when they invented that term. But I think of the term deconstruction as. Um, removing the constructs (laughs) from our interpretation of the text, that there are core truths that God has placed in there that are true for all time, for all people, regardless of what culture you are from, right? There, There are core truths in there that that's what we're trying to draw out. But inevitably, because of our cultural bias and our specific context text, sometimes we embed within there our constructs right, things that are not universal, things that are actually just specific constructs for our time and for our context, or even for our preference, right? And to be able to deconstruct, (laughs) I don't, like I said, I don't know if that's what they mean by that term, but that's how I use the term to to deconstruct it, to pull out what is eternal from that, which is um, temporary, right? And specific to a a specific people in a specific time. Uh, So, you know, we have deconstruction, you know, um, and also like seeing some some of the bad fruit from some of the fallen constructs that people have put into their interpretation of the scripture, like you know these like Christian nationalists, and we just passed the anniversary of the January sixth, uh, um, I don't know what to call it insurrection, or I don't know I don't know what the proper term is. And you know, I showed that video a couple years ago of these guys when they broke into the Capitol and they like prayed while they were in they were in the you know that that room i forget, i don't know what the room is called right they're praying and thanking god for using them you know to be his instruments in this in this place right like like these fallen constructs this bad fruit that we see that has justified things like nationalism slavery misogyny abuse etc decolonization which honestly i'm like the worst person to be explaining these terms because I'm a student of these things, okay? So I'm just using terms that I've heard other people talking about that I am still in the process of trying to understand and learn myself. But decolonization of, of scripture, right? That we have to also recognize that historically the Christian faith and theology, a lot of it, a lot of times was transmitted by colonizers, right? Who often imposed it on oppressed peoples. And in some cases, blatantly manipulated scripture to support the colonizer's cause, right? So that's also some of the tension where you know, can we detect those things? And can we can we again deconstruct, decolonize, and and, and get to the pure core? Right? And so all these are kind of some of the tensions that come with interpretation. And then uh, the last thing that I have here, I mean, there's many more things that we could talk about, but sort of this sorry, sorry for those at home, I, I touched the microphone. Uh the, the tension. The tension between what I say what would call certainty and uncertainty, right? That in some contexts that maybe we have come up in in the church, there was a very, um, I don't know, it it was a very uh, absolute, this is the way to understand scripture and there is no other way. And they were very quick to label you as a heretic if you deviated, or even if you asked the wrong question. Right, you're a heretic. It kind of makes me think of this, um, this one example and you know, think what you will about him, but there's a teacher, uh, a past, former pastor, Rob Bell, right? And um, he wrote this book called Love's, Love Wins. I don't know, it's probably like 10, 15 years ago by now. But he wrote this book called Love Wins. And the premise of the book was basically that there are other schools of thought and other threads of interpretation historically on the topic of hell and judgment, okay? And so he was basically, he wrote this book to kind of say, hey, there's other schools of thought that are out there that maybe you've never heard of, that your church never told you about. You just are not aware that there are other ways that you could interpret these passages that talk about judgment and hell, right? And um, immediately, again, think what you will. I'm not here to say, you know, one way or another about Rob Bell, but the, the response from the the kind of the mainstream church was pretty immediate, and like it was like, you're done, <laughs> Rob Bell, you are done. And actually, I re- remember very famously uh this uh, one of uh, one of the famous pastors, John Piper. He 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 put out a t- uh, tweet. I'm surprised that he tweets. I don't even understand Twitter. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he put out this tweet that said, "Goodbye, Rob Bell," <laughs> right? And that was basically kind of like. Pretty indicative of the reaction of the kind of the, the mainstream church, like you're done. <laughs> these these ideas are too controversial. You can't even don't you can't write a book about this, and you can't talk about them. Goodbye, Rob Bell, right? And so, um, so there's that tension where there's there's part of the the church I think that is very um, rigid, right? There there's kind of this uh, what is the word I'm looking for here? Uh, dogmatic certainty, right? this is the way it is, don't question it. And if you do, goodbye, (laughs) right? You're out. But on the other side, I think there's also this tension sort of on the other side of the spectrum of what I would call, or actually I I heard somebody else call it this, uh, this theology of uncertainty. Because I think on the other side of the spectrum is, I think a part of the Christian church that feels like everything is uncertain. Nothing is certain. We cannot make a concrete statement about any piece of what this book is teaching us or what we believe, whether it be because we're afraid to do so, or we just feel like, I don't know, I don't, maybe whatever you think, whatever works for you, maybe that's fine, right? And so I think there's this other side where there's this kind of growing theology of uncertainty where it's like, we'll just hold on to everything as uncertain and we, we make no affirmative statement about any anything, right? And so I think th- those are some of the tensions that we also navigate as we try to embody this value of committed to the word of God. And so we are, um, and so basically, what is it gonna take? What is it gonna require of us to really live into this and live into this tension? Well, I think it's gonna take humility <laughs> uh, because you know just to, to have that posture like, Hey, you know what? I don't have it all figured out. There's things that I can learn from other people. Uh, dialogue again, you know, like that, that we really embrace, you know, some of you guys have noticed that we do a lot of weeks here, like where we do like panels and, you know, we really try to create dialogue because we feel like that's very important if we're going to live into this value, but in a way that respects and acknowledges, Hey, there's a lot of tensions. Okay. Patience, right? Because consensus doesn't just happen in a day, we don't just have one message and then it's like consensus, we figured it out, right? Consensus doesn't happen in a day and maybe sometimes consensus on certain things doesn't happen at all, right? And so it requires a lot of of patience and and respect. Love, because ultimately I think to to go through this process together and to really dive into these tensions together, we have to love each other, right? Love is what will enable us to kind of sustain that effort. And then lastly, uh, I, I just put courage because it's easy to say that we value these things, but it's actually kind of hard to put into practice. And it takes courage. And you know, we will be tempted along the way sometimes to abort the process and to retreat into our sort of echo chamber of, of preference. And so it takes courage actually to live into this value. All right, so I am just about done, but I did want to leave you guys with just a little bit of something practical. And so uh, I just wanna close with four tips, I don't know, four ways that we can kind of grow in our commitment to the word of God, just in, in very practical ways. So I'll just give these, those to you guys real quick and close, and then we'll bring Ruthie up. But uh, the first thing is just to soak in the scriptures, right? If we wanna be committed to the word, we really gotta soak in the word, of uh, soak in the Bible, soak in the scriptures, read it, listen to it. If you, you know, listen to sermons or, or podcasts or whatever, pray, over it and, and talk to Jesus, talk to God, talk over some of these things. And uh, the example that I thought of was like for me, um, as most parents right now probably, Encanto is like my entire life. <laughs> I don't know if any of you parents or feel that way, but it's like all day, every day. It used to be frozen, now it's Encanto. I mean, we wake up, Encanto, you know, it's just in the car you know, before an app, after an app, you know, whatever it might be. We need a break, Encanto, Encanto, every, everywhere, like All day, every day. It's just so consuming, right? Like, and I find myself, like, just even at work when I'm not even with the kids. And like, I'm like humming a song from Encanto, right? You know, just like, it is just so, it's so, my, I am so immersed in it. And then I start thinking about my life and I'll think like, you know, that was really deep, like that. Like I'm learning from Encanto now, because I'm so immersed in it. You know, I'm like thinking in terms of Encanto and things that happen into, in it, right? And I think that's kind of the, this idea that we, gotta, we have to soak ourselves in it. We need to be so, we, we have to be so immersed in these words and in the scripture to the point that it just infiltrates every part of us. And it can't help but begin to influence us. Right, so soak in the scriptures, wrestle with it, right? Study it, question it. We promise there's no question that you can ask about Jesus or the scriptures where we're gonna send out a tweet that says, Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, Dave, right? That's not gonna happen, right? There's study it, question it, ask, deconstruct it, whatever. You know, It reminds me of the story of Jacob in the Old Testament. He wrestled with God all night. It says, he would not let go of God until he blessed. He said, I won't let go of you till you bless me. And that's the approach with, with, with the scriptures. I won't let go of it until it, it blesses me, until he blesses me. And then dare yourself to actually do it, right? That, especially when, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself here, right? There's a lot of, I'm not saying that I, I, do, I dare myself to do everything that I see. Jesus calling me to in the scriptures, but that at times when Jesus says something that seems hard or risky, or I maybe even feel like I disagree with it, doesn't make sense to me, doesn't seem practical, that um, I might actually dare myself to trust him and do it, right, in spite of myself. And then lastly, process it in community. I mean, that's what we're doing here, right? That's why we're here, we celebrate together, we help each other, we we make ourselves accountable to one another, we discern together and, in that way we can kind of do this thing together, journey together, right? As we endeavor to be